The following podcast is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. Coming to the microphone, hailing from Hayes, North Carolina, Playboy Brian Brickhouse. And his podcast partner, hailing from the Ozark Mountains, J.T. Hall. Together, they are known as Cake for Wrestling. This is Take for Wrestling episode four. I'm Brian Kilby, and with me, I have JT Hogg himself, Joey Roberts. Joey, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Just uh, really uh, had a great time watching this show. Uh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> you, you're lying. Yes, I'm. I'm lying a lot. So this week uh, we're talking about uh, the first ECW pay per view, which was uh, barely legal. Ninety. Seven. I watched this live and I loved it and I have loved it for nearly 20 years now. But watching it again for the first time in <clears throat> eight, nine, ten years, uh, my opinion may have changed a little. But uh, so actually, we, we don't really talk about So if, if you don't know, of course, uh, this is our fourth episode of Take Four Wrestling and we talk about classic wrestling uh, stuff from the WWE Network. But you know, I also watch current wrestling. For the most part, um, I, I still watch WWE primarily. Um, I, I I'm trying to get into ROH, uh, but <clears throat> I, I was actually just watching uh, the first episode. And it's a, like a month old at this point, but the Cruiserweight Classic on the WWE Network. Have you watched that? Uh, no, I have not seen any of that. Oh, the fir- it's awesome! It's really great. Uh, you you should definitely check that out. I definitely will. I don't. I do not. I do. Do not watch uh, much current uh, wrestling. I don't blame you. <laughs> well, but I have to say, so uh, after this, uh, you know, this new era in the WWE with uh, the draft and everything, really promising. Yeah, I might uh, might take a peek at it. I usually will take. Uh, I'll watch wrestling for a little bit and then take maybe a couple years off and then uh, watch it again. And for being a wrestler yourself, that's that that says something. <laughs> yeah, when it's I can't I can barely make it through a uh, whole episode of Raw anymore. So now that uh, SmackDown's on Tuesdays, that's within two days five hours of wrestling. Yes, it's. Uh, I think that's one of the problems today is the overexposure of wrestling. Yeah, I would agree. But they are bringing back. Um, uh, preliminary matches from what I'm hearing. So yeah, apparently the, there's, I, I didn't watch raw this week, but I heard there were jobber matches. So or squash matches. So yeah, that that's interesting. That might, uh, might build some, uh, build some, uh, excitement for everything because, uh, you won't be seeing the same matches every week. So question, um, if they were in your home state, what would be the possibility that you might be able to get on one of those, uh, shows oh i would probably have to uh either make a really good impression and make them laugh or uh i'd have to lose lose quite a bit of weight uh but uh yeah i i guess you can send in tapes one of our uh one of the wrestlers that wrestle for us here chris payne he uh sent in some tapes and he actually got uh he was one of the security guys on raw okay Um, cool it was for the uh Roman Reigns Triple H fight before uh, their match at WrestleMania. Okay. And um, that's usually how they do it. Uh, they'll send in tapes because um, a lot of independent guys were getting a lot of work when uh, Adam 
uh, Cole or Rose. Adam. Rose, uh, yeah, right? Adam Rose was different. Adam. Yeah, Adam Rose was doing his. Uh, what were those called? The Rosebuds. Yeah. So that... yeah, a lot of those, uh, a lot of independent guys were getting jobs at that, and pretty much every time you see like a security guard or like a, if a cameraman takes a bump, that's usually an independent wrestler. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's. Uh... I don't. I've yet to see anybody that I actually know from the from like uh, shows I've been to. But um, yeah, that, I think I, I think most people know that, right? I think so. Yeah, um, I've I've known quite a few, of course. But uh, whenever they pop up on Raw, I'm like, hey, I know that guy. That's cool. They get uh, they, I guess they get paid pretty good too, like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <clears throat> couple hundred bucks is uh, a nice little payoff, but I mean, I mean, for the amount of work that they have to put in. Well, we actually did, uh, me and one of my buddies, we did set up for a Monday Night Raw one time uh, where we set the building up for them. Man, that was, that was hard work. Uh, we got paid, we were getting paid like uh, 14, $15 an hour, but by the end of the day, we just, neither one of us could hardly walk. Uh, we had to, uh, ha- uh, bring in all the stuff off the truck. We had to hang the, uh, uh, like the curtains over the empty parts of the arena to make it look mm-hmm. fuller. It was, it was a rough, it was a rough day, but we got to run around backstage at the uh, Monday night raw and, uh, got to eat and catering. Um, I ate with, uh, triple H and Shawn Michaels. Really? Well, they were at the table next to me, but, uh, I was acting like I was eating with them. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'd look over and nod and shake my head like I was part of their conversation and stuff. But awesome. uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was that was that was a lot of fun because I got to see a lot of the guys like Roddy Piper and Ric Flair were there, and uh, it was just cool seeing like backstage at a uh, WWF show. Undertaker was sitting on a couch, and um, I got to say hi to Triple H's uh, and Stephanie's little daughter. Because uh, Linda McMahon was pushing her around in a carriage, and I, I walked, Aww. I was like, "Well, that's a very beautiful baby." She's like, "Thank you." So that's awesome. I should have been like, "Here's my card. Give me a call." Hmm. Oh man. Okay. So I guess we better go ahead and talk about this train wreck. So the, <laughs> uh, let's jump into the gimmick of the week. We're gonna do the Sandman. Yeah, I figure that's appropriate I f- for ECW. Yeah, I forgot. So did you actually? Do you actually know the Sandman? Uh, no, I've never met uh, the Sandman. I've I've always kind of wanted to though. Out of all the ECW guys, I've kind of liked him the most. Yeah. So f- for people who don't know, I mean, his gimmick is that he is, uh, kinda, I guess, white trash. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the gimmick there. He uh, he start. I think he started out as uh, Mister Sandman, and he was like a surfer guy. Yeah, and it slowly degraded, <laughs> maybe quickly degraded. I don't remember. Yeah, that that probably wouldn't have lasted very long in the ECW audience. No, but uh, yeah, he. Uh, I think uh, Steve Austin got some inspiration from him. Um, I think Steve Austin pretty much got a lot of inspiration from ECW as a whole. Yeah, I mean, like everything potentially from like uh, Mikey Whipwreck finish, which I think uh, Steve doesn't necessarily claim that but from you know i hear people speculate that to yeah the sandman uh the the beer stuff um i mean he sort of built up his promo skills i would say uh in ecw or he at least got a chance to cut loose and uh find a new level of freedom that he never had before yeah i think it was uh 
Todd Gordon that told him uh, put more pers- more of his own personality into his character, which uh, is pretty much what they did with Austin too. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, I think Steve Austin was definitely a lot more refined than the Sandman. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me about the Sandman. What do you know? Well, he uh, his uh, he started using the uh, Singapore cane after um, that uh, whole uh, Singapore cane deal over in uh, well, in Singapore. <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with uh, remember that kid getting caned? Yeah, yeah it, of course. Uh, I remember when that happened, when that kid kid got caned and it was like such a big deal, but that's when, uh, Singapore canes and wrestling started becoming everywhere. Mm-hmm. Those things hurt. Oh, I, don't, yeah, no doubt. I don't know if you, have you ever been hit with a Singapore cane? Uh, so I, I, I know not directly, but I have put together, um, so back at, back in the day, uh, back when libraries had things like newspapers, uh, my <laughs> school library had this uh, rack that would hold newspaper, and there was this um, cane-like thing that was kind of like a Singapore cane that you actually laid the paper on and the paper draped over it. Oh yeah, and yeah, I, I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. And, I, and I like nailed. I, I got nailed with that one time. That hurt. So <laughs> did uh, you never try? Uh, you never tried to do any wrestling in your backyard with your friends or anything? Uh, the one time I did, I broke my cousin's arm so other than that yeah (laughs) that's that's not a good way to start out no but uh but yeah so the singapore cane was just like this iconic uh port uh fixture like in the sandman's uh cachet or uh, of uh tools so that and the cigarette and the beer and the cargo pants (laughs) and you put that together with like a mullet or like uh, the beginnings of a mullet, and you pretty much have the Sandman. Yeah, yeah, he didn't really have really a gimmick per se. So this is kind of a cheat on gimmick of the week, but um, but he carried a lot of gimmicks to the ring, like the cigarette, the beer, and the the Singapore cane. He'd always uh, bust his forehead open before he even started the match. Yeah. Oh his... yeah, blood. That's another fixture. <laughs> if there's no blood, they don't like it in ECW. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, Sandman. Uh, he had he had some success in uh, WWF later on. Uh, he had a short he? short little stint in uh, WCW. Oh, it was hack. Yeah, um, it was hack. We actually debuted. Um, he actually debuted before that, and um, he was in uh, little promos with uh, Raven because uh, Raven was doing a little spoiled rich kid gimmick, and. Um, where it turned out that he was just like acting like he was emo, but when he went home, his mom was named like Bunny. And um, I think uh, Sandman was like his uh, stepfather, and he wore like a, a captain hat and a sweater. Oh God! Uh, it was it, it was a it was a pretty cool uh, pretty cool thing they were doing with Raven because it turned out his whole character was just an act to uh, get some attention, but. Uh, it got nixed pretty quick, probably because it wasn't very, it was kind of stupid. Yeah. But, um, then he, uh, debuted as hack and, uh, didn't ha- really have much success there. I think that's when they were doing the, uh, they were, they were trying to do the hardcore title at WCW, mm-hmm. which, uh, okay. was not very successful. Uh, do you remember the, uh, junkyard invitational? Oh God. <laughs> I remember was this some was this something on a pole? Uh no, is that where they they filmed 
all the guys just fighting in a junkyard, like a real actual junkyard. Oh, and uh, about, I think, 16 uh, uh, lucha, lucha wrestlers got hurt in it because they were taking bumps on top of cars. They were getting cuts. Um, I think it was, uh, was it super crazy? Got cut open pretty bad. So uh, some friends of mine did uh, kind of like backyard wrestling. It was a, it was honestly, it's, it was a lot like uh, final deletion. They it was like <laughs> this independent movie slash backyard wrestling deal that they did back in, back in 1999, 2000, 2001, something like that. There was a six pack on a pole match. And, uh, <laughs> So uh, this one guy there didn't know that they were supposed to do fake. They were basically working. Oh, jeez. And he actually, uh, <laughs> he actually beat the hell out of somebody else to get the, the beer on the pole. And a friend of mine who was, God, he's probably 300 pounds, he took a bump on the hood of a car in the in the junkyard. So, oh, uh, yeah, so, and he got slammed head first into a car door. Uh, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure he got a concussion out of that. <laughs> Well, we can we can say that uh, backyard wrestling is very dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, I'm a trained professional. Shouldn't do this at home. But uh, I I did some. We when we were kids, like younger, like twelve, thirteen, sixteen. We used to. I used to wrestle with my buddy in in our backyard. We'd have these long epic matches. We thought, mm-hmm. and uh, that's actually where I perfected my finishing move, the splash. Nice. So. Uh, because I figure if, if you can do that on the ground with no knee pads, you can do it in a ring easy. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, the junkyard invitational was a pretty interesting match. A lot of, a lot of guys got hurt in that match. And so, go ahead. And then um, then he went back to ECW, and then uh, he had some uh, moderate success in WWF, uh, especially during when ECW first started, um, when they kept doing those uh, reunion shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he was uh, he was on like the main roster for a while. That just I I I can't even comprehend that. I, I remember it happening. It's just that is just so obvious. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did he get his How did he get his start? I mean, who? How? Do you, any idea who trained him or how he really got into the business? I, I I'm assuming that he just started in ECW, but I, I, that's not a, that's just a guess. Well, uh, it looks uh, he's he started in actually the Philadelphia-based uh, Tri-State Wrestling Alliance. Okay. And um, I'm not I'm not uh, privy to that, but um, I imagine he probably just. Uh, went to wrestling school. Um, I'm sure he. I'm sure he went to wrestling school. I mean, he he knew some stuff. Okay. <laughs> His bumps. I, I could. I I couldn't tell. He just. I mean, he can take a bump, but I don't remember much in the way of offense. Actually, his bumps were actually not real pretty to look at. Yeah, I mean that, but that's what made them fun. Yeah, yeah, because he would just fall off the top of the ladder or something. He probably just showed up one day and they're like, "Hey, you want to go wrestle?" Like, yeah, why not? <laughs> but uh yeah he was in uh when he was in ECW I don't think he or WWF he didn't really like wrestle matches or anything but he just usually got his uh Singapore cane involved cuz if you remember his finisher was the uh Russian leg sweep with the uh Singapore cane in front of him he called it a uh, white russian or something yeah vaguely and uh then he he also had the uh first match on the inaugural WWF version of Raw, um, or, okay. when he wrestled the zombie. Do you remember that? No, I do not. 
they uh when ECW first started like the the first very first match on the new ECW brand was a uh, Sandman against the zombie and the zombie came out and he was all in like tattered clothes and he when he he went to cut a promo and he was like oh oh so uh, I don't know what they were thinking that's insane i i, I can't I, uh, let's just go ahead <laughs> and talk about barely legal it's it's as it's as much of a train wreck as the sandman's career oh yeah uh i love the sandman don't don't get me wrong at all i mean i he's he's probably my favorite ecw wrestler because when i think of uh, ecw i think of sandman i think of inner sandman and i think of his uh, ring entrance and i love it and i get excited every time i see it yeah, and i don't know why he's the epitome of ecw like, I think so. Out of everybody, I think he's the one that you think of. So, like for for me, like when I think of the uh, period in which I was watching ECW, it was him, Sabu, Taz, Rob Van Dam, um, those guys who were really leading the way. Shane Douglas, so Tommy Dreamer. Man, I miss ECW. Okay, so uh, <laughs> barely legal ninety seven. It was the first. It was ECW's first foray into pay per view, and it's kind of in retrospect it's kind of underwhelming so obviously ecw wasn't uh cash rich like wwf was but basically the show starts off with the same intro that the tv show uses which you know at the time didn't really strike me as odd but now watching it it's just it's really weird but you put that bad boy on high definition it doesn't look oh, good at all awful. oh my god uh, actually no really the, the, the pay-per-view starts with joel gertner uh, which is again odd, and an "fu Devon" chant, which is to me quintessentially ECW. But you're, you're, you have to assume that uh, there are a lot of people who never watched ECW before who uh, this was their first uh, exposure. For me, uh, I'd watched it some, but um, I wasn't certainly an expert because this show didn't make sense to me. But I didn't question that. I mean, now watching it, it still doesn't make sense, and I actually know what's going on. So that's the yeah. What uh, the thing that struck me the most was the production value of this. It was just like what? It's it's the TV show. Yeah, it's it's the TV show they record every week. It, it's no different. Yeah, I mean, it was it compared to like what WCW and WWF was doing at the time. And uh, it's just not even in the same league. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. even in the same league as. Uh, NWA in 1982. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but I'd almost want to see what the original was because I think uh, the way WWE Network kind of butchered it with the music, like uh, taking out all the music. Oh, yeah. So, it, like in a later match, again, I mentioned Sandman, his entrance. Uh, I mean, to me, Inner Sandman by Metallica, that's just an iconic piece of ECW. And it's in this, it's been replaced by some just like, uh, basically sounds like stock music that you buy from Amazon, <laughs> and uh, it it just sounds it, it sounds awful. Well, they kept using it. The, I think they kept using like the same music over and over again too. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. they didn't put a lot of work into this. Nope. I know some nope. of the later ones they changed the music for. They've actually like updated it with like their current music. Uh, like uh, like the Undertaker, they lost the rights to uh. That uh, I think that Kid Rock song or Rollin' or something. Oh yeah. But they put in his more generic, uh, Dead Man 
music. Yeah. But this uh, one they just yeah. threw together, I imagine. Yeah. So the first match uh, was the Dudley Boys versus the Eliminators. Yes, John Cronus and, and Perry Saturn. Who I was a big fan of the Eliminators. I think they were great. Um, I, in retrospect, I mean, it, it bears out that the Dudley Boys are way better. <laughs> I mean, the Dudley Boys are one of the greatest tag team champions of all time. The Eliminators were great for that period. But this was a squash match, and it's the first match on your first pay-per-view. And it's a squash match. <laughs> Just absolutely no psychology. There's none. And there's no energy. It's basically a spot, then a chant, then another spot, then a chant, then another spot, then a chant. And really, it's like the Dudley boys aren't even trying. So, like, the Eliminators are positioning them for a spot. and They're just going along with it. Yeah. It's 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 a terrible match. I Yeah, this... Uh... Matches like this drive me absolutely nuts because um, I'm a big psychology guy. Oh yeah, you have to have. And I mean, yeah, they just this uh, like there wouldn't they weren't even tagging. Like yeah. it was driving me nuts what was going on in this match. And I know, I, mean, I know, like it's ECW, no rules and everything, but you got to have some sort of like a simple. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes the rules, sometimes there's not. It really just depends. Yeah. And it was uh, just like the it was real sloppy too. Yeah, and, and the and the fans were into it. I I I pretty much point to ECW as kind kind of the death of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I can agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean now, like I love like what Ring of Honor I, I've been to and watched on TV, and even in the WWE, I mean fans will chant stuff like "This is awesome," or you know they'll they'll chant like "You effed up" or something. Yeah, they really want to be a part of the show, but they don't like they'll chant like "This is awesome" for a match that. I mean, it, there there are a lot of spots. Uh, I mean, or just you know, ooh, they threw in some chain wrestling. You know, this is awesome. This is awesome. Uh, I mean, I I don't think wrestling fans are really as discerning as they need to be. And I think when it comes to the smart fans, sort of trying to almost hijack a show. I mean, that that to me is like one of the the number one problems in wrestling today. Are the fans just hijacking shows and it really started here. Yeah. Not that they're not that they're hijacking the show, but they're a part of the show. So they expect that they feel that they deserve to be a part of the show. Yeah, and uh yeah, these fans like uh during the matches whenever they weren't doing some sort of crazy spot, they were just dead silent. Yeah. In your in your uh, when you wrestle, are the fans as vocal or as these fans are? I try to I try to keep the crowd like level. Like uh, I don't like where they they're not as vocal, but I want to keep them cheering through the whole match. That's yeah. what I try to do. And uh, of course, I mean, there's it's like anything. There's going to be parts where it goes up, it comes down a little bit, but you don't want to get down real low where there you can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. And that was what's cra- like this arena was packed, but it got it was quiet in there, like dead quiet. And um, yeah, that's just it, it just was interesting watching the fans. Mm-hmm. I think they were more concerned about getting their sign on TV than actually sitting back and enjoying the show. Pretty much like that hat guy. I think he was there just so he could be known as the hat guy like that. Yep. Well, I mean, he, I mean, he just the hat guy and all that, the Rob Zombie looking guy. They just they showed up, not just WW. I mean, not just ECW events, but basically any event. I mean, you would see them all across the country too. 
So, uh, I mean, like if I lived in Philadelphia and I, I could have gone to these ECW shows, I absolutely would have. Yeah. Uh, but it's like if I had a chance to see really good wrestling locally, I would absolutely take it. So, I, you know, I, I can't fault the guys, but I do like that even the fans had gimmicks. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, this this match kind of sucked. Oh, yeah, it was it was awful. Um, I think Perry Saturn uh, definitely got a lot better when he was in WCW. He got mm-hmm. a lot more uh, fleshed out. And the Bubba, Bubba and Devon definitely had their best work in WWE. Uh, John Kronos, uh, I, he, he looked like he had every, like the tools to be everything that a promoter would want. Good looking guy, very athletic, but, uh, he just, he probably didn't un- have any psychology at all and probably couldn't work a regular match. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say that about the guy, but I'm not going to say anything bad about Perry Saturn. Cause he might uh, yeah. rappel down from my ceiling and beat the crap out of me. Uh, the next match <laughs> was Lance Storm and Rob Van Dam. It's a better match, but it could have been so much better. Yeah, when I saw this match, I was like, hey, we're going to get a good match. But we didn't. No, I was very surprised. Was... It's, it's okay. So uh, break it down for me. What didn't you like about this match? Uh, again, it was just no psychology, just uh, chair spots. and. Uh, oh, God, the chair spots. Uh, there's no uh, – every time Lance Storm tried to wrestle, uh, the crowd would give him no reaction. And um, Rob Van Dam was just kicking around, blowing spots. Like, yeah, it uh, it had to have been hard for a guy like Lance Storm. And admittedly, I don't think Lance Storm had really come into his own as far as a character yet. Yeah, where he, he was, could really control the crowd. He was still pretty pretty new in this. Yeah, he'd only been wrestling for probably four years at this point. Yeah, I think he had just come out of uh, Smoky Mountain. Oh yeah, because he still had mm-hmm. the rat tail, the beautiful rat tail. I wish I had a rat tail. <laughs> we should grow rat tails. That should be our. That would do wonders for my career. I'm certain. <laughs> but yeah, Rob Van Dam. Uh, I've never been a big fan of Rob Van Dam. He, I loved Rob Van Dam. I thought he was awesome. He see uh, to me, he seems like he's kind of dangerous in the ring. I can see that. Um, I know that uh, Crash Holly was uh, telling me about a five star frog splash from him hurt. Oh yeah, I mean uh, he he does nothing to protect the his uh, person he's wrestling with. Yeah, he just comes down right on top of you, and uh, I couldn't figure out like the the Van Daminator. I think you brought it up about how it wasn't as uh, impressive as you remember. Yeah, I remember it being awesome, <laughs> like an awesome spot. But now, you know, twenty years later, it's kind of tame. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the main problems with. Uh, what ECW did I, escalation. I, yeah. I think the main thing with ECW is what um, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Right. Exactly. And exactly. If you get hit in the head 27 times and survive, what's it going to take next time? 45, you know, it gets to the point where it doesn't mean anything. Uh, like uh, I think a chair shot should knock a guy out. Uh it would make it would make everything so much easier in wrestling, and um, I think what ECW was trying to do, which was also part of their success, was they just kept escalating and escalating. It's like, what are we going to do this week? Well, what are we going to do next week to top that? Mm-hmm. Eventually, you're not going to be able to top it off. You're not. What are you going to do? Cut your arm off? You know, like 
I'm sure they probably thought of that. Oh God. I'm sure one of those ECW guys probably would have cut his arm off for the, or at least a finger or something. <laughs> but, uh, Sabu. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember like, uh, I think it was like macho man pile drove somebody through a table and the guy had to be stretchered out and the crowd was silent. Um, and he was like, he wore a neck brace for two weeks. Uh, hell, I mean, some, some wrestlers, uh, were like, uh, a cast or whatever for a freaking year. <laughs> yeah. Bob Orton, he wore one. For, yeah, exactly. Cowboy. Yeah, Bob he Orton wore one for exactly like 10 years. Well, yeah, well, uh, yeah, but that, that became part of his gimmick. Yeah, I miss gimmicks so, like that too. Like that was a cool gimmick. Yeah, that was. Uh, but yeah, so uh, not a great match. I like the Mister Monday Night gimmick, but it, that just is a quaint artifact uh, from back then. So, so the next match was at the time I remember being. I thought it was amazing. It was a six man tag match from Michinoku Pro, which is uh, apparently still around, which kind of surprises me a little bit. It's <laughs> it's a organization in Japan that. Sort of has a uh, fast-paced lucha libre Japanese hybrid style of wrestling, but uh, gosh, let's see here. The match was Dick Togo, uh, Terry Boy, and Takamichinoku versus the Great Sasuke, uh, Grand Hamada, and Yaka Siji. It was it was it was still a pretty good match, but it certainly didn't hold the weight that it held when I watched this back in '97. Yeah, I did not enjoy this match at all. This match drove me. Uh, it was just, it was way too long. Um, actually, I'm I'm looking at the time here. It says it was only 16 minutes. It feels longer. <laughs> it felt like this match just kept going on and on and on. And like, I just like, what were they? They were just running in. Nobody was tagging. Uh, again, that was what, what? was driving me nuts. It's like, where's the psychology? Well, I mean, again, it's it's Lucha Libre. Uh, there's not there. Lucha Libre has a psychology. It's just I don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, but they uh, and uh, there's a lot of blown spots in it, and of course, uh, the crowd would be like, "You effed up, you effed up," and I hate that. <laughs> yeah, but, like these guys are trying to kill themselves for you. Just sit down, and shut up. Yeah, just shut up. I'm, oh crap! I just probably just made some fans mad. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really have a lot to say about this match. Yeah, uh, I like the uh, the Power Ranger guy. I liked his outfit. He uh, was, of course, being called a Power Ranger in the crowd by the crowd. Um, did you notice? Uh, oh wait, no, I was thinking of Funaki. Never mind. Uh, Funaki was just on uh, the last WWF pay per view. WWE. Yeah, and he's a uh, part of the cruiserweight classic. Yeah. But, uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, uh, Funaki is the uh, play-by-play guy. It's t- uh, Tajiri who's uh, back, actually. Wrestling. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Takamichinoku, I remember when he uh, came into uh, WWF when they were doing their uh, failed light heavyweight attempt. Um, he was he was pretty good in WWF, though. I, yeah. uh, I remember, I think, it, didn't he wrestle the great Sasaki on Raw? Yeah, yeah. I believe he did, yeah. Uh, think so? That was definitely a better showing than uh, what they had here tonight uh, at, at this show. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is what it is. It was fun for the time, but I'm certain the next bat- match was better. Uh, actually, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. It was Pitbull two versus Shane Douglas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this this played into a storyline that was going on uh, with the Pitbulls and Shane Douglas. Uh, Pitbull number one apparently what, had a broken neck. And this was Pitbull 2 trying to get revenge on Shane Douglas. 
the only thing I remember really about this match was the sloppy camera work. Yeah. Um, Shane Douglas, uh, I know, I know Shane Douglas pretty well. He's a really cool guy. Oh, he's great. I'm a big fan of Shane Douglas. Yeah. And I mean, in in my mind, uh, he was uh, really in a lot of ways carrying ECW on his back, at least as far as uh, Hills went. I mean, basically it was he and Raven. Um, I mean, you know, Sabu technically is a heel, but the fans loved him. So, I mean, yeah, he he was pretty much he was he was the guy in ECW at this point. Yeah, he was uh, um, the origin uh, when he won the ECW Heavyweight Title for the first. He tur- or won the NWA title and turned right. it into the ECW title. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've always in- I was always a big fan of uh, Shane Douglas, uh, even when he was in. Uh, he had a pretty short run in WWF in 1989 before he went with the Dynamic Dudes. Oh yeah, and uh, I use, I remember I used my uh, Gloob uh, Lex Luthor Luger figure as Shane Douglas because they both had blonde hair. Yeah, I kind of like the Dean Douglas gimmick. I know that he didn't. Yeah, um, he uh, he could have made that work um, if they. I think if they would have let him. But uh, he was telling uh, he t- he was telling me a story. I think he's told on a few shoot interviews too about how. Um, Vince McMahon gave him that gimmick because he had like a uh, fourth grade science teacher. He just absolutely hated. And he, th- oh, yeah. he thought everybody would hate it. And uh, he wanted uh, Shane Douglas to talk real monotone and real boring. But uh, Shane Douglas had like a different spin on it. And I think it probably, I think honestly it could have worked, but I think the uh, political environment in WWF at that time just did not allow for Shane Douglas to, to win. But, um, so he, that's probably why he went to ECW and, uh, cause it, wait, no, this was before he went to ECW or WWF, wasn't it? Uh, as Dean Douglas. Yeah. Um, actually I think this was, this was after Dean Douglas. Oh, okay. Basically he went from ECW back to WCW. Okay. That's right. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this match was, oh, Shane Douglas was trying so hard to cover for this pit bull number two. Um, I don't know if you noticed or not, but when, uh, every time Pitbull number two would Irish whip him, he would give him the weakest Irish whip possible. And then Shane Douglas would like just take off running like right. he got shot out of a cannon, but Pitbull number two was sloppy, uh, just sloppy in the ring. Uh, he had a good look, like he looked good. Oh yeah. And, um, I think. There's always those guys like uh like Pitbull, uh Pitbull one and two, um what was some of the other ECW guys like the Iron Rotten and the Ian Rotten Yeah. Ian and Axel Rotten. Yeah, those guys that they were just right place at the right time. You know, like they were just on East Well, that's still questionable. Yeah. But they Were they really? <laughs> but then he had like real hit- talents hidden in there. Guys like the Dudley Boys, um, even though I don't like care much for RVD, he's still a talent. Uh, and those guys were kind of like sprinkled in there in between. Um, I think like I kind of look at I kind of put Sandman on that same level as kind of like an ECW guy and wouldn't probably have much success in any other form of wrestling. Because, uh, I mean, he had moderate success in WWE, but it's not like he was, uh, I don't think he was breaking any records or anything. 
But uh, yeah, this uh, this match, and I'm looking at the time on it. It was 20 minutes and 43 seconds too. Oh god, that's just that's too long. Way too long. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, uh, what really sticks out to me, part of this and during this match is Joey Styles needs somebody else with him uh, to um, to do color because I mean he's I guess he's really kind of trying to do both play by play and color and. He doesn't really do a strong job. No. I mean, I loved him at the time, but in retrospect, his work is kind of weak. Yeah, it it sounds very, uh, I don't know, just very amateurish. And it is. I mean, and I think he'd probably be the first one to tell yeah. you that. That's a that's yeah. ECW. It was just it was weird because it was so popular, but at the same time, it was so amateurish. Like all of it, you know. Like they're the ones that were doing like the crazy stuff, like the cutting each other and blood baths and, and some dank little tiny uh bingo hall but yet it was yeah. like national so um it's it's like ECW was a weird thing in wrestling it really like it's almost like it didn't have any business to be as big as it was yeah. <laughs> but it, and... but yeah I res- I mean I'm not going to I'm not going to dog them I respect all the guys that were in it because it's it's hard work doing what they were doing I just I think uh, getting too big too fast too was ended up being well, their downfall. I, I was about to say, did they really get too big? Because it's not like it's not like they were ever. From what I hear, they were always at risk for the lights being turned off. Yeah. So I don't really. It's one of those things. Like, if you pretend that you're successful, people will believe that you're successful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people buy into the hype, so that's kind of where my mind is as far as ECW goes. Uh, let's see here. I guess probably the best match on the card. Eh, maybe maybe not. I, I, it may, it maybe second. Uh, the Taz versus Sabu match. Two guys I love a lot, but I, it, it was an okay match. Uh, I, I enjoyed this match a lot. I, I definitely think it was I, – I think it was probably best match of the night. Over the three-way dance. Yeah, uh, the three-way dance was fun, but I think the the Taz versus Sabu actually surprised me on the psychology and how much wrestling they actually did. Because um, uh, you don't see Sabu uh, actually wrestle too much. He's always just like jumping off things and going through tables. But um, the way he worked with Taz, it was pretty good. Uh, I thought it was, uh, and it was believable too. Uh, it didn't look like a bunch of spots. It looked like they're actually fighting each other. Um, yeah, because uh, Taz kept going for the Taz mission all night, and uh, and Joey Styles did a really good job on selling it as like the most deadliest move in wrestling possible. The Taz mission. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he. They were selling the crap out of that because really Taz shouldn't be as uh, scary, as intimidating as he, he actually appears because he is just a little short guy. But yeah, but they, they made him into a monster and I mean, he's a big dude and he had, he had a real judo background. Yeah. So, uh, I think they did a phenomenal job, uh, building Taz up to be a monster, but yeah, I, I was, I forgot what it was on. I think it was on the Steve Austin podcast with Taz on it. Uh, Apparently, when Kurt uh, Angle wrestled Taz for the first time, Kurt was a little worried because he thought that uh, Taz was going to try to to test him. 
And no, 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 no. It wasn't on. Uh, it was on the WWE uh, Legends show, one of the Legends shows on the network. And uh, apparently, uh, Taz thought that was hilarious. That um, Kurt thought he was going to test him because, of course, Kurt Angle would have annihilated. Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kurt Angle's uh, he's a beast. He is a beast. But, uh, so, but yeah, it, it's okay match. Yes, uh, in Sabu, uh, never really. I've never been a huge. I, I'm not a huge hardcore wrestling fan. I'm more of the traditional wrestling, and I'm not meaning just like like all the wrestling, like everybody's got to do all the moves and stuff. More like the gimmicks, you know, like uh, probably late '80s and and WWE would be my bread and butter. Like uh, uh like something like eighty eight to ninety four was probably my favorite, like biggest favorite chunk of years. Mm-hmm. But uh Sabu, uh he actually uh he knew my uh uncle JR really well, because uh, mm-hmm. my uncle used to wrestle around with uh the Sheik and Bobo Brazil. Oh yeah, awesome. And uh Sabu was I guess he was like twelve years old when my uncle knew him. But uh I've ran into Sabu a few times and uh he's uh We've talked about it and stuff. So he, he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. He's a, he's scary looking, and the scars on he is scarred up. Seeing him up close, it's just, the scars are crazy on him. So here's the thing: like he's one of the guys that I completely believe his gimmick. So when you say he's a cool guy backstage and he talks and everything, I'm like BS. He doesn't talk. <laughs> well, he'll he'll talk to you if you go up to him. Like, he's not one that'll come up and just, like, start talking to people. Yeah. He'll be over in his little corner. and I, I mean, I was, I have to admit, I was intimidated going up to him. But uh, luckily, I had that uh, connection with him with my uncle. So uh, once, because he, he was kind of looked at me, he's like, hey. And then uh, when I told him who I was, he's like, oh, yeah, I really liked him. Shame about his death. Everything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, I, I enjoyed him. Uh, he. He was he was a cool guy, crazy. I mean, just absolutely crazy. Wrestling and I mean, I think there was like fifty people in the audience that night, and he's still doing his table stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, he he's uh he's dedicated. Mm-hmm. But it was uh I I thought it was weird at the end how Bill Alfonso just turned on Taz. I didn't care yeah. for that. I saw what they were trying to do, but why would Bill Alfonso be cheer like? cheering him the whole match if he wanted Sabu to win. Like, I don't understand why he turned on him afterwards. Yeah. But it was, uh, but the end of the match was the only semblance of, uh, of a storyline I thought that night, because, uh, earlier in the night, Rob Van Dam and Lance Storm, Lance Storm tried to shake his hand. Rob Van Dam wouldn't do it. Well, then, uh, Sabu shook, uh, or Taz shook Sabu's hand. And then, uh, it looked like uh, Sabu was going to save him from a run-in from Rob Van Dam, but then they turned on him. So, uh, but it was it was uh, it was it was a weird little storyline. Because other than that, really, there wasn't much like besides Shane Douglas and Pitbull too. There wasn't any reason for any of these matches. It seemed like. I agree. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What was the next match? Oh yeah, the three-way dance. 
uh, which was Sandman, Terry Funk, and uh, Stevie Richards. And uh, I think we've mentioned before, but Stevie Richards is the guy that trained Diecast from our Transformers podcast to Russell. And he was the leader of the BWO, which is, again, a, a quaint little artifact from that time. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That must have been their only... Uh, or I wonder what kind of a payday that was for him, because it was the uh, Blue Meanie, Hollywood Nova, Thomas Rodman, and 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. <laughs> which I, I thought was really... The, the promos are really weird all night, too. Uh, the one Stevie Richards promo where he's talking oh, all serious with his hair down. It didn't make any sense. And then he, uh, Blue Meanie was behind him, and he he said something like about he was like ripping off Scott Hall's gimmick. It was like, yeah, what was that all about? But uh, it was the 1990s. Yeah, everybody had to have like some sort of dark brooding gimmick. So I liked this show. This was the first three way match I remember ever seeing, and I think this was probably what inspired all of the three way matches that happened over the next several years. Yeah. Uh, three-way, I I absolutely hate wrestling in three-way matches. I mean, one guy ends up having to go out of the ring or being th- put out of commission so the other guys can go at it. Yeah, it's it, it's awkward. It's usually a, uh, what we call in wrestling, a cluster F. Yeah. Um, so, and usually three-way matches on an independent show is, uh, oh, this guy showed up, put him in a match. Hmm. That's usually what three-ways are. But uh, Really? I guess that makes sense. Whenever I work, uh, usually, like, if I show up to a show and I'm working for a guy that puts me in a three-way, at first I'm like, son of a... But then I uh, I, I get with the two guys and I, I make sure they know. I'm like, now, just team up on me since I'm bigger than you. And then we'll go through the whole thing of uh, them beat teaming up, beating me up, and then fighting over who gets the pin. Then I can go in there and sneak a, sneak a win out yeah. or something. But uh, we were watching this one... Uh, uh, three-way match and it was hilarious uh it was on a independent show and uh the three guys are in the ring well one guy would take one move and roll out and stay out for about eight minutes and then the other guy and then uh one guy get thrown out of the ring and he'd come in for about eight minutes like <laughs> i don't think they were understanding an actual what a three-way match should be but uh yeah they're they're one of the hardest uh matches to uh to uh plan out and uh kind of construct uh three-way tag matches are even worse there's oh God. there's just too many bodies in the ring i don't even know yeah i guess i've seen the three yeah they're three-way tag matches those are they, uh, no uh-uh. i've been in four-way tag matches oh God. <laughs> you, and if you get like two or three guys in there which uh don't know what they're doing and let's face it that's happens an independent show it's pretty good chance I mean, it just, it'll go to crap quick. And uh, I'll just be a standing out in the apron, just like shaking my head. <laughs> my uh, my wife, whenever she wants me to wrestle, she can always tell when I'm upset. Because uh, I can always like look at her and shoot her a look and she knows that I'm pretty mad. She had to, uh, one time this, uh, this guy made me so mad. I was going to, uh, I went to, uh, I think I was going to uh, put him in a backbreaker. And he kept wiggling around, so uh, I put him up in a uh, power bomb. He still kept wiggling around. Then I put him up in a razor's edge, and I was going to—I th- I was so mad at him by this point that I was going to throw him to the outside of the ring onto a uh, bar table. 
<laughs> and I just lost it because the one thing that makes me really mad is when somebody messes up a match, mm-hmm. and this guy just kept messing up after messing up. And uh, when I picked him up, Kay, I heard I heard my wife in the crowd go, "Don't kill him." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I'm a human being. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a uh, monster like I portray." So this match, I mean, it, it was okay. Tommy Dreamer came out and help uh, Joey do uh, commentary. Uh, basically, Tommy was there really as a set piece for a later run-in with Big Dick, Big Dudley, Dick Lundy, yeah. who, uh, <clears throat> who was out of jail, uh, which that really, I guess, think, I actually think that happened during uh, the match that followed. Of course, uh, Terry Funk won this to face Raven for the title. But, um, yeah, I mean, pretty much the two matches run it, uh, run right into each other. So just Terry Funk wins this match, then immediately Ravens in the ring beating the crap out of him. Oh, Terry Funk, uh, man, he was bleeding he like bloody. a stuck pig. Man, it was, uh, in his, uh, it looked like his daughters were in the front row from that, uh, Beyond the Mat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this was featured in Beyond yeah, the Mat. Yeah, and, uh, he was just I'd never seen a man bleed that much before. Terry Funk's crazy. He is. That moonsault he did where he landed right on top of his head. <laughs> it's just like he, the dude's, at this point, he was, what, 56 years old? In his 50s. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't need to be doing that. Nope. But he, you know, he did it. He wanted, but he did. He wanted to be relevant. And uh, he uh, he's stayed being relevant for a long time after this i mean hell after this he got another run in wwe yeah i guess also or wwf and and uh in wcw as well yeah he was uh yeah he was in wcw all the way up until i like, closed i think or pretty close anyway because i remember seeing him wrestling uh kevin nash at uh one of the sold outs like one of the last sold outs and uh i try not to think about those <laughs> i watched it live I was there uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, But, yeah, uh, I mean, Sandman, Sandman. Uh, Stevie Richards was, uh, I think, at an odd point in his career in this match. But um, Terry Funk, uh, and it was elimination, too, which I didn't know that. They didn't uh, say that before. So I was real surprised when Stevie Richards got pinned and they kept going. Because that must be the uh, that must be for all uh, three way dances in ECW, I'd imagine. Yeah, I I think so. It simplifies things. Yeah, and then uh, Terry, uh, of course, Raven came out and just completely beat the crap out of Terry Funk, and uh, Tommy Dreamer's up in there saying he's like, he told me he promised not to. He made me promise I wouldn't interfere. Even after he's getting beat up by like all Raven's goons too, which I thought was a little funny. Uh, but uh, I liked how nine one one got uh, pushed off the balcony through all the tables. Mm-hmm. He about missed those tables too. So I'm thinking here, um, Terry Funk, like you said, was about as that was about the bloodiest that you've ever seen. Do we know, like? What that effect for? I mean, this specific like, what was his physical condition after this match? Did he have to go to the hospital or anything? Oh, I would imagine he did. I think he. I think they said he did in the documentary, didn't they? 
I don't remember. I'm going to have to watch that again, but I'm pretty sure he had to go to the hospital. And losing that much blood, he had to have. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Uh, I'm sure he had probably, I'm sure he was probably a little uh, tipsy for this match, too, because mm-hmm. of how uh, thin his blood was. Um, but, yeah, he, he almost had to go to the hospital. Probably. Uh, but, yeah, so, ultimately, Terry Funk wins. And everybody's happy with a move of the night, the small package. Yep, <laughs> which is which yeah. is hilarious. The thing about the ECW pay per view ended on a small package. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because uh, Tommy Dreamer came down. Um, I'm not. I didn't know who any of the Ravens' flock was. Yeah, that that girl messed up a power bomb on Terry Funk. That big heavy set mm-hmm. girl. But uh, yeah, overall it was uh, not a very good show. Not a very good show. <laughs> I try not to be too negative on anything, but man, this was hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And I loved it so much originally. I could see you. I I could see maybe like back then, maybe liking it better. Uh, but now it just seemed like it's so. Uh, I don't know, just uh, overrated when you go back and watch ECW. It's not what you remember because I think the legend of ECW was actually, well, it, it was better than what it actually was. Oh yeah. And, uh, I know Paul Heyman was a master editor too. Oh yeah. And, uh, he was just good at promoting. Um, he was just good at make, making nothing into something. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's brilliant. Ah, <sighs> yeah. So let's talk about a better show. <laughs> <laughs> so next next week we're we're going to talk about uh, the Great American Bash '89. Yes. So before uh, before next week, everybody out there needs to watch that, and we'll talk about it. I've uh, I've already watched it. I know you haven't yet, but I've already I haven't yet. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Cleansed my palate. I've heard great things from a lot of people, so I'm excited about this. So uh, let's see here. You can follow me on Twitter at BKilby. You can find uh, this podcast and all our podcasts at tfradio.net. And uh, you can find Joey at his Facebook page. I created a short link. You can just go to tfradio.net slash hog. That's H-O-G-G. Say the second G with a smile. With a smile. And it, <laughs> it's still funny. And it'll take you to his uh Facebook fan page for uh, I mean, for your wrestling Facebook fan page. So, like that. Yeah, you can buy you shirts. Any... Uh, I have a couple new new shirts. Oh, I love your new shirts. In fact, I think I'm going to start wearing that shirt uh, you gave me whenever we, we record. I think I'm going to just I'm gonna <laughs> do that. Or I may wear it to the gym tomorrow. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, you can you can leave us a question. Uh, email contact at tfradio.net. Post it on Joey's Facebook page. Uh, there's lots of ways you can ask questions, get feedback, and of course, uh, please, 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 please uh, subscribe on iTunes if you are in that ecosystem and leave us a review. It will help us out tremendously, and we really need the help. So <laughs> there are a lot of wrestling podcasts out there. We don't and we don't want to get lost in the sea. Nope, and we are a young upstart. So I think we're we'll the see. best, though, so far. I, I, I do too. Pretty confident. I'm pretty confident. So we are, uh, of course, uh, we are recording these uh, several weeks in, in advance, uh, pretty much because uh, we lost two episodes. This is actually the second time we've 
talked about this pay-per-view because <laughs> we lost last time uh, due to te- some technical difficulties. So next week, um, I will actually be going to the NWA Legends Fan Fest. By the time you actually hear that episode, though, it'll it'll have uh, passed. Uh, it'll be a couple of weeks in, in the past. But uh, next week, I'll talk about um, some of, uh, well, actually, no, it'll be week after next because, uh, yeah, week after next. Uh, I'll talk about that, and I don't know. Pro- I probably won't get any uh, interviews or anything, uh, just because typically wrestlers want you to uh, pay to make eye contact. That's kind of my thought. <laughs> Unless but, it's uh, uh, Robert Gibson, he'll look at you for yeah. free. Yeah, he will. He's a great guy. But um, but I, at the very least, I'll have some. I'll post some photos to Facebook and uh, maybe. Uh, you know, maybe some video or something. I'll figure it out. I'm really excited to uh, see the um, Ringside with Jim Ross and uh, the Jim Cornette Experience podcast recording. Oh, yeah, uh, that'll be fun. I'm super stoked about that. And, and there's actually a um, uh, Tony Schiavone's putting on a show. So that'll be really Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We can, uh, but, we can also tell the uh, audience... Uh, you can get the uh, San Diego Comic Con 2016 Shockmaster for seventy four ninety nine on Amazon. Oh my God! Oh yeah, tfrd.net/amazon. <laughs> if you want to buy it, that would help us out. Is that really on Amazon right now? Yep. Yeah, it's a uh, seventy four ninety nine and free shipping. How much was it at the convention? It couldn't have been more than thirty bucks, forty bucks maybe. Uh, let's see here. Now it's sixty four ninety. Oh my god. The original Shockmaster figure they have on Amazon for 139.99. They made a they, WWE Classics. There was that that's a real figure? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty rare. It it came out like later on in the series. Oh my god, I didn't know that existed. <laughs> what? Oh, and the figure is packaged upside down. He's fallen. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, if a, if a audience member wants to buy that and um, use uh, use our link and then tell us how good it is. Because yeah, it looks pretty good. cool. It does. It's got the little Stormtrooper helmet. And... Yeah. God, I need this. <laughs> okay. I guess uh, that'll do it for this week then. Any parting words, Joey? Uh, no, I'm good. Everybody, thank you for listening. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun doing this show. I really enjoy doing this uh, with you. I thank you for uh, being a part of this. Well, thank you for letting me be a part of it. Man, we talked about this for like nearly a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it was, it was in, definitely in the making. Yeah. Okay, so we will be back next week. Uh, have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye.